Oh, we're back. Maybe quicker than we would have thought, but we are back. My name's Sean Peterbudge. This is the Ian Prendercast, under the Carlton Podcast. We're brought to you as always by MGA and 121 Media. First things first, we won't bury the lead. Tim Davis, Dr. Davis, can't be here. He made the call to prioritise his career and livelihood. Ahead of you, our listeners, and the show, this won't be forgotten. Papa Ganoushi's here. We still aren't talking over the phone. There was some little bit of give and take over who would even make this phone call, just briefly. <laughs> I, I didn't pick up that when you texted me and said, uh, you called me. I didn't pick up why you wanted me to call you. But uh, It's had nothing to do with that. I was just, it's, yeah, it's, 100% it it's, does. No. Well, why didn't you want to call me? It's the, What did you... How did you describe it via text this morning? It's a war of, of no, no words. words. It's a war of no words. What about you tell the listeners, what was your um, mental and emotional state uh, when you accidentally dialed me today and hung up before I could answer? Oh, I had heart palpitations. It was, was it sheer uh, oh, panic? Oh, I was in a panic state. I literally, because the, the ear pods obviously say, you know, Fabian Guadagnolo calling you. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I got the phone, and just as I couldn't quite even get to answer, and you were gone. As soon as it came up on the screen. I thought, maybe, maybe you were going to be the bigger man. I thought, maybe he's gotten over it, because you know I won't. There's, there's nothing to get over, Sean. You know this ends the minute you decide. You no longer want you no longer want me to call you. you. Know, I shall not call you. You know that this ends the minute you decide it ends. This standoff, this call war ends the minute you decide you've had enough and you're prepared no. to make the call. It's over. It's all up. It's up to you. <laughs> I have had enough, and hence you won't be receiving any more phone calls. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so obviously, we're here in light. Of recent developments, we're here to talk through our thoughts on the review and the fallout and to come to terms with it and explain things as best we can. And I suppose just leading off, you know, we said from the beginning of the year that our expectations and the timelines were clear and all parties knew what the situation was. Tim didn't deliver the coach, uh, the, the premiership uh, super coach um, that we'd agreed on back in whenever it was that uh, we got roped into doing it. And because of that, we've had to let him go. Absolutely. It was, it was a clear, defined objective that he failed to meet. And people coming for us on Twitter, you know, pulling out the violins and you know, talking about how harsh it was. They need to realise we don't care. That's right. With zero, with zero care factor. If people thought we were clear to Tim on the pod, you've got no idea how clear we were in the group chat. That's it. You know, we made it abundantly clear to Timbo that it was on him. It was a premiership or bust. We've said that. We had T-shirts made up. And he decided that, you know, his objectives weren't aligned with ours, not the other way around. See, what are we going to do with the 10,000 premiership T-shirts we've had printed up now? Well, they're going to go to a bunch of local school groups, I'd imagine. And, you know, like they all teams give away. You're going to see young children in Somalia pumping water, seeing the... Prendercast Banana Slugs Premier's 2021 t-shirts. We don't want to be flippant and glib about this. There is a homeless problem in Melbourne. You're going to see a lot of premiership jumpers and sweatshirts. You're going to be walking down the street, down Queen Street, and see a guy you know, sleeping in the alcove and go, I feel your pain, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Not the homeless part, but just the missed opportunity. Oh, no, not missed the, o- definitely not the homeless part. Not, you know, just the missed opportunity in the premiership part. We, this could have been, you know, you remember when the Cubs won the World Series and there was the big celebration in the park? 
yep. hundreds of thousands of people. That's what we. That's what was waiting for us. Mm. Well, that's what Tim robbed us, the fans of. Yeah, I think that's what the the disappointment, the disappointing thing for me. I don't know about you. Is just, you know, I'm disappointed as a as a Prendercast fan, but I'm disappointed that the fans and listeners don't get what they deserve. Exactly. And that's I'm, I'm I'm convinced Dan Andrews and his cohorts had that on the agenda about easing restrictions mm. to enable premiership celebrations. And Tim has basically set back an entire state. I think that they. I don't disagree. That's an interesting point. I think that they would have been sitting there going, "Jesus Christ! If they get over the line, this is going to go bananas, yep. banana slugs. This is going to go off top, off chops." And they went, "We can't possibly ease restrictions until after they win." But Tim thought, "Don't worry about that, Dan. I've got your back." Yeah. And I, I mean, did he torpedo us? Did he did he sabotage us? I don't know. Look, look, we'll, we will move on. And uh, grudgingly, we, we we are here to talk about a review, not not that review. That review was well, our, swift. Our review, our review was swift. You know what our review was, if nothing else, efficient. Yep. We basically made the call. I didn't even tell Tim. I just put it on Twitter. I said he's sacked. Well, it didn't even tell me, and I was supposedly part of the review. Yeah, I just said, I know, but I, I knew that you and I were going to be in lockstep and on the same yeah. page. So I just thought, you know what, efficiency, people are asking, he's gone. I think I might have tagged him, I don't know. But the point was he was done, he was out of there, and I didn't want it to drag on any longer than it needed to. Um, we, had a leading, we had a leading team session. Tim wasn't there, there, it was just you and I <laughs> hanging out on Tim. <laughs> 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 the guy goes, Ray McLennan goes, you know, usually the guy's here. He said, it's not important. We just want to make sure that we've ticked enough boxes in the process. Ah, oh, Timbo, you disappoint us all. He's probably still giving his pre-match speech, his pre-match address. Fuck, that would explain a lot. The boys didn't even get out there. He lost track of time. <laughs> um, so we're here, obviously, to talk about the real review, which was handed down officially today, and its findings delivered officially today. Fabian, now, the decision and the response, I suppose, from both inside and outside the football club, if the delay in delivering the report was, or such as it was a delay, was because key figures in the review were given an opportunity to respond to it, that's isn't that 100% fine? Absolutely, it's 100% fine. The only people who have an issue with it are the AFL media who wanted their stories earlier in the week. Some of them might um, have had copy already written up. And rather than having to rewrite another article, you know, they just wanted to publish what they had already written. So they were getting shitty. So they were obviously leading the charge. This is unacceptable. Mind you, if we had pulled the trigger on David Teague earlier in the week, we would have been lambasted for not going through due process and allowing him a opportunity, him and his management, an opportunity to respond um, to the review. So, look, we're always going to lose the PR battle, and that's fine. I don't care. But it's the bleeding hearts that you see on social media that, you know, you know we've done him, done him wrong and what have you. He's a senior AFL coach. We'll get to oh, We'll explain. We'll get to yeah. this later. Believe I'm just saying, man. but that's, that's... But this is my... Look, I totally agree, Fab. The board received the review, they've presented the review, they've discussed it, they've had a dialogue, they've received feedback themselves from the parties involved. Um, those parties were obviously given a right of reply. Um, in the end, what we've been given 
is a fairly thorough, fairly transparent summary of its findings and the board's rationale for each decision, which we will go into discussing. Yep. Um, which is great. And and you put out a good series of tweets today. You you had a go at me for not liking these tweets. Um, you were very put out by that. I didn't see them at the time. You, uh, you criticised. I, I didn't I see. I said this. you don't you don't acknowledge anything I say. Just on pod. Um, but the point being, you, you made an excellent... I've got a phone call from Tim Davis. <laughs> oh, shit. Sup- Tell Tim. Supposedly unavailable. Tell Tim. Just not the time. Um, but the club couldn't have been more clear, Fab, regarding the timeline of events when they announced the review and actually couldn't have been more clear as to how it was going to unfold. Yeah. Absolutely. For once, the club presented... A, a timeline to which it's a it's stuck to, but more importantly through this process, there hasn't been a leak of information. And I think that unprecedented that is what has what set the media off because they've literally had to resort to taking stabs in the dark. Damien Barrett style, who had Ross Lyon pulling out of the race as our next senior coach on the back of nothing. But he's gone with it because there's no consequences to him. So he's had to make stuff up because nothing has come out of the club. Absolutely. So, and we've and we've long bemoaned the fact that our club. What do you say, Sean? It's it's got more leaks than the Iraqi Navy. So you know. I think. Look, ultimately, people want to get hung up on the things that don't matter. And, and what what came out of the, the the media frenzy throughout this week has shown that. Everyone wants to frame the argument in a manner that makes them feel better about themselves and their relationship with this decision. Oh, he's a good bloke. Oh, he wasn't supported. You know, is the problem that we hired him? Is it the problem that we fired him? You know, is the problem that the process was managed this way? No. The start, middle, and end of the conversation is, is he a good coach for us? Yeah. And the answer is no. That's right. The answer's been no for a while. The club, or we in the club are not here to play the man. Now, unfortunately, the man gets caught up in it. In, it's a cutthroat industry. It's It comes with, you know, responsibility, burden, stress, anxiety. We understand that. But you're one of 18. That's it. All that stuff's on the tin, isn't it? And one of 18 worldwide. This is not soccer. You can go get another job in another league or another division. No, mate, you're one of 18. It's cutthroat. It's absolutely cutthroat. And you're there until someone else better qualified than you or, be- or better than you in general is available. Look, and, they take on, and they take on the role knowing so. And look, the critical mass of evidence at the end of the day against him was damning. It was all right there in front of our very eyes. You know, the footy was crap. The results were worse. And the problems were deeper than just Teague and Teague in isolation, clearly. And that's why he isn't alone in being moved on. And the best case scenario for a number of people who we will talk about is I think they're on an absolute final warning. Absolutely. And we'll They've survived, we'll touch- but well, on who, who has survived? They've survived for now, but we'll touch on them later. But with regard to Teague, whilst there's circumstances that are very particular to this industry and this job in the negative way, but he's also his role as a senior AFL coach, knowing that the review was happening, he's got a time frame in which he could have saved his job. We've got to talk about this. We will get to this. So, 
So it's, in other jobs, you don't get that opportunity. You don't get a twelve-week chance. You don't get a very public cor- opportunity yeah, to, to correct course and and try and save your job. But as you said, we'll touch on that later. Um, so the review itself, um, look, the feedback was apparently pretty savage in a lot of ways. You know, some 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 info has come out. Um, not a lot of detail around it, but but a lot of it has said that you know the review of certain players um, from exit interviews was pretty damning as well. Um, their input into the report has obviously borne out that Teague and, and certain others weren't weren't the right men for their roles, um, and all that stuff reflected horribly on a number of key individuals, not them as people, but in terms of competency to carry out their job. Um, just going through, obviously, top-line overview of Sayers' email to uh, the members. Um, quote, the review outlined a number of areas of our football department which had been performing strongly, that being football strategy, list management, systems and operations. I've got no idea. I don't know if you read the, the email. I was yeah, like, I do. I've got it in front of me. But I was like, I don't know if that was meant... If I don't know if that's meant to be list management, systems and operations. As in one... As in one thing? Because yeah. I'm like, I don't know what systems are. I don't know what operations are. So basically, football strategy got a tick, which is obviously the overarching strategy of a football department and where it wants to get to and how it plans to get there. And then the list management's a key component of that, and they got sounded out for having good, um, you know, being well resourced and having the right people involved. From a management point of view, Brad Lloyd and Kane Little survived. The key writer on that, I think, Fabian, is for now. Yes, um, there's obviously. Well, you can't have a football department review without <laughs> these two guys being heavily, heavily scrutinised and what they've done. So there'd be clear objectives now that they would need to meet in order to maintain their job if they choose to actually stick around to try and attempt to deliver that. We've got a, a little subheading below called the people, and we'll, we'll sort of touch on those two a little bit more. Uh, coaching, as part of the review, is obviously the real sort of Show stealer. Um, the review found that while figures were capable, we require stronger leadership and development. Uh, that has seen defensive coach Dale Amos go, stoppage and transition coach Brent Stanton go, John Barker obviously jumped before he was pushed mid year, and David Teague is gone with them. Canberra survives. Speculation is he has a contract, which uh, that's probably just a soft cap consequence, isn't it? Yeah. That he stays. And Look, he may choose to walk, knowing that you know where he ultimately stands, or he might see this as a fresh start. So, and, and the, the, soft, review- the, the, the thing with the soft cap, and none of us really know where we sit in relation to the soft cap, and whether we're maxed or we're, and that you know, people calling for Teague needed more help. Did we have the ability to get more in? And the very definition of a soft cap is well, you can go over it. And do you want to go over it yeah. and pay the and pay penalty on something that is, you know, you don't spoke paint a, a boat with holes, Sean. No, that'd be silly. It'd be a no. waste of your time. Um, confusion around game plan and the absence of sound defensive structures were mentioned, uh, as well as failures to, quote, win the contest and apply pressure. To me, that all comes down to standards, doesn't it? Those two yeah. things is what's the expectation from the coaching group to drive these incredibly um, uncompromised, unquestioned standards that this is how we do things. Yeah. We can fail on execution and execution can be trained. However, not having the 
an, a clear understanding of what the plan is is an indictment on the coaching group. There was some chatter we might have touched on it in the pod last early this week that um, or the week before that there was speculation that there was even some coaching going on on the field by players not going so far as to mutiny, but players out there who are maybe a bit more experienced actually having to take matters into their own hands yeah. and sort of go, this is what we've got to do, and figuring it out for themselves. Which, look, I don't want people to confuse that with because we've called for on-field leadership and people to correct course when things aren't going right, but to almost coach on the fly is not something we're asking for either. No, they should be feel emboldened by a strong system that they, they have yeah. faith in and confidence in and know how mm. it works. And that they understand how it yeah. works and kind of helping those who aren't executing that game plan to better execute that game plan. Sayers said today that right at the moment it's right to assume that the that's a full stop on staff movement. So that's not ruling out further changes, but as you alluded to, I think that those changes might be those particular individuals seeking yeah. fresher opportunities of their own volition. I think the headliners have been put forward to keep the wolves at bay. Mm. So the whole Carlton review and the process can now be put to the back of the media landscape and say, all right, that's done. But internally, I don't think it is over. No. Uh, quote, right here, right now, in a high-performance sense, Andrew Russell has been declared safe. However, one of the lines in the review was very telling, I thought, and it was clearly directed at Andrew Russell. Quote, there's a level, sorry, there's a high level of expertise, but the opportunity exists to clearly define roles and responsibilities. So that, to me, is stop running leadership seminars. Stop talking about that crap like the Eddie Betts thing from the Amazon doco. You've, you've been given a remit to be able to do that. But is all of that stuff interfering with your ability to get our players fit, to manage their various injuries, etc.? That's your number one priority. Is all this other stuff getting in the way of that? Was it not part of the you know the sweetener to come Absolutely. across? Absolutely, that he, he would have an expanded role, and yep. obviously the reviewers identified that he's doing too much. We can lure him with a bigger portfolio. For him, it's a step up. Which, in turn, is a bigger step up in pay packet yes, as well. Absolutely. That, and no, um, no slight against an Andrew Russell for seeing that as appealing. Absolutely. And going, yeah, yeah no worries. Not even the money side of things. Going, absolutely, I'll, something different, something I'm interested in. Obviously, Bolton, with the inside info, when he hired Russell, would have known these are areas that he's interested in. And for us, the opportunity is to target this guy with an expanded portfolio, which will turn his head, which will get him to the club. I think it's, like, it sounds so simple, sounds so simplistic, but we just are not fit enough. Our fitness list is diabolical. Our injury history is horrendous. And if that, if Andrew Russell has to take a step back from all that other stuff to focus on that, perfect. Yep. And if you don't want to... If if that enables him to then fulfil that, you know, that industry reputation that he's got and fulfil his his potential, then that's 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 well that's what the review's for. Perfect. To pull uh, things like that out. Absolutely. And two, to actually say it from an external, whether it be Pavlich or, or Jeff Walsh would have been likely probably Walsh would have been likely the one pushing that. Yeah. To kind of say, no, you, we really need to clearly um, sort of delineate between where your strengths are 
what you do well and what could be getting in the way of that. Um, in terms of the people that are central to this review, uh, Luke Sayers, we've obviously spoken a lot of time, uh, or spent a lot of time, I should say, speaking over the car, uh, past couple of weeks about how time itself is an asset. Like, don't waste it. As soon as you walk in the door, as soon as you sit in the chair, the clock is ticking, so justify your role. And when you think yep. you might have got to a point where you've done that, you've got to keep going. Yep. He has come in, he has cleaned house just as he absolutely needed to. Yep. He's the media have tried to to paint or, or, or paint the narrative that he's come in and his his first week has been diabolical. I see it as completely opposite to that. I think he's stuck to a time frame that he set out with clear objectives, clear messaging, and accountabilities. Accountability. I, to be honest, others might share a totally different opinion, but I think. Luke says has come out of this looking like a leader. Well, no, this is this is exactly right. So, the the people who have got a problem with how he's handled it are those who subsist and live and survive off having information. Yeah. And they had no information, so they were put out and they assumed it must be. Oh no, I don't know anything about this. Oh shit. So yep. rather than just say, look, <laughs> they've actually run a pretty tight ship. We don't know much about it. Sayers and Co are playing the cards close to the chest. I mean. That's not good for us as newsbreakers. Rather than yep. say that, it was all speculation. It must be a mess. Why haven't they told us anything yet, etc. Um, today, I don't know if you saw, he earmarked finals and premierships. Um, and typically, the club has already been potted. potted. There's already an article up about that quote, bookmark this quote that we expect to play finals. Fuck us for having ambition, mate. That should be the only ambition of every football club. Like, genuinely, you're mm. potting a club for sitting there saying, yeah, of course we want to play finals. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely we do. The only thing is, and look, and he said contend for premierships. Do you and know what I mean? That, it, wasn't, it wasn't win premierships. Like We're all here trying to win the premiership. It's a professional sporting competition. That's the goal. That's what you do. That's the goal. Uh, already I thought uh, the press conference was quite good. Um, he's a more powerful and assertive presence than Lejudice, who just seemed nervous. Yeah. He, he was just yeah. nervous with the mic on and... That's a public speaking yeah. issue rather than a competency issue, but already he presents a hell of a lot better. Yeah, and he's – I don't think he'll be the sort of person because of that that will kind of go missing as we've seen in the past where Lejudice, like we said, it wasn't so much competency but more you're just not comfortable. Um, yeah. And, and that was a really good first start under what was a bit of a, you know, a furnace, a cauldron, if you will, um, having sacked the coach, your first action to sack the coach is a pretty bold step. Um, yeah. So to face bap- up. Baptism of fire. So to face up to the scrutiny and the pressure is really good. David Teague. Now, this is a, a more long-winded one, clearly, is the most central um, you know, part of this whole review and its outcomes. I put the tweet out. Um, separate the personal and the, prof- and the professional sympathy. 100%. When, when, when dealing with it personally, of course, you know, I've been sacked in the past. You go, yeah, it sucks. But professionally... He gets paid out, he'll get another job, he'll survive, he'll be fine. And if anything, in the current climate, the way the media interpret things, the sack coach is always the victim, they always needed more help, it's never their fault, they're always good blokes. So the PR will carry him on the crest of a wave to wherever he ends up next. You know what I hate, and what came out of a lot of conversations I heard early this morning? I hate the piss-weak 21st century narrative that security equals success. 
No. I hate it. I hate this idea that, as you mentioned earlier, in an elite, cutthroat, competitive environment, that living and operating on the edge is seen as a bad thing. Stay hungry. Stay fucking motivated by, by fear. Stay motivated to be ahead of the competition, to be on the cutting edge. Mate, as I said in the tweaker, we're not running a haberdashery business. It's a, that's a great quote from The Departed. <laughs> like, he's the senior coach of a high-performance club. So this idea that, oh, he would have done the job if the spectre of this review hanging over him, oh, just, it wasn't the recipe for success. You know what, the, what isn't a recipe for success? Feeling like you need to be insulated against failure. Mm, absolutely. At all well, costs. If, if, if that is pressure, and, and look, it may have been, I'm not saying that he hasn't been struggling from a mental health point of view and, you know, being stressed out. Absolutely. But do you not think playing finals, winning premierships is going to not bring pressure for a senior coach? As I said, he's one of 18. He is not, and I love this line, he's not the night manager at Target. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's one of 18. So many other people would happily take on that responsibility and the stretch to be a senior AFL coach. And he was happy to take on that stress and the burden of being a senior AFL coach when he took the job because in his mind, he had the ability to do it. And it's just the opportunity, isn't it? Like you, Absolutely. So he goes, and they always do the classic, oh, who would want to coach, blah, blah, you know, uh, former Q. Yeah. We'll find out. Um, look, Teague was obviously put out by the review and how it was conducted. There were some allusions made by Sayers, and that's fine. That's part of the process. We're going to present you the findings. We're going to pre- present you what they recommend. Give us, you know, you've got that right of reply. What's your feedback to these criticisms? Not a problem. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've, I found myself thinking, you know what's like the most basic Darwinian precept? Survival. Yeah. When under threat, we are coded. Everything, every living being is coded to protect itself. It, when when you're under threat, how do I survive? Yeah. Teague opted to not protect himself. He showed no instinct to save himself. He showed no inclination to change. He, he thought he'd be protected by a contract like no one's ever been sacked before. He didn't have the wherewithal to see that the review was challenging him to change. Yeah. Correct behaviours. Show us what you've got. He seemed oblivious yeah. to the danger he was in. No one who's been sacked has ever been given a 12-week heads up to say... Show us something, mate. We don't like A, B, C, D, and E. Now, yeah, that wasn't communicated to you, you know, as, as clearly... You know, the review wasn't completed, but you knew what the review was going to cover and where the shortcomings are. Yeah, like, okay, I've got, I've got one for you. We'll, we'll touch... There's a little note later on about Liam Pickering and his comments. That's a kind of a different... That's a different topic. But we'll do a bit of role play, yeah? So you're David Teague. What am I wearing? Nothing. You're naked. You're just wearing your Carlton polo shirt. Okay. Um, So you're David Teague. I'm Liam Pickering. The club's announced we're doing an external review of the football department. You know what I'm telling you? Okay, David. All right. Let's... We've got a nut out of plan... How do we combat this? We want to make sure that you are, I'll use the word again, insulated from this review. Where are or what are some potential problem areas that would be identified by this review? Is it player relationships? 
Okay, so who do you reckon you don't have a... Because they're going to talk to everyone. Mm. Who do you reckon you don't have a good relationship with? And there's been some stories come out in the last couple of days where certain players had really bad, like, non-existent relationships with him. Yeah. And you're like, they're going to mention that. They're going to mention that the senior coach never speaks to me. You, like, mate, you go, okay, tactics, game day stuff. We might need to think about doing things a bit different. Might need to think about being a bit more expansive, being a bit more creative, showing people that the way you have been coaching isn't the way you can coach. We're going to have to take some chances. You might have to have a conversation about selection. As we said on the pod last week, we might have to put it on the table that kids at the expense of results this year might curry favour with the management. Yeah. Be honest about it. As far as I can tell... And the supporter base as well. As far as I can tell, none of that happened. Absolutely. If anything, he... You know, any any changes he did make, he reverted to type. Like the minute the review started, it's like, what's going on? Like, wh- why why are you continually doing the same thing over and over again? If the results had been improving, you go, well, it's justified. Change. What do something? What you're doing isn't going to save your job. So try something else. Like, in a weird way. You contrast this with a Little and a Lloyd, who at the moment have survived, but from the outside looking in, it looks a little bit like they went into self-preservation themselves. Like they saw the writing on the wall and sought to insulate themselves. And maybe that's the... At Teague's expense. The lack of support to David Teague has maybe come from them. Yeah, absolutely. They They were a bit of an alliance going into this whole thing, and then all of a sudden when things weren't looking so good, it's... We'll separate, and you're on your own. So it's and that tells us plenty about what they thought of the performances and what their relationship was with the coach, or amongst the three of them. If they're kind of yeah. going, I don't know if we how we can defend that. I'm not sure how we cut and spin this. Yeah. See, I I have a I can see how Kane Little survives. Yes. With heavy scrutiny on certain elements of his of his his day-to-day work and what you know what he does on the footballing side maybe he's too involved in the footballing side or has too much of a say in footballing decisions I don't think the review was going to say anything be anything other than complimentary on his off-field performance um, well see this is the thing the review probably didn't mention anything to do with that but the board, would have weighed one with the other. Yeah. The board would have gone, well, obviously, this review isn't critiquing how Kane mm. Little interacts on the business side, but we know that's really good. And it's, he's probably overstepped his role, a bit like a Russell, in the football department or, in, or his dealings with the football department, having too much of a say. So I think the, the outcomes of the review as it pertains to Kane Little is a bit more clear. How Brad Lloyd... I'm not saying how Brad Lloyd survives. Can but, we double but, back to this in just two seconds? We've got one more point just on the Crips thing with um, with Pickering. It was it was really interesting to note, and we can tie a sort of a bow on, um, on Tiggy. Um, it was really interesting to note that Sayers remarked that Pickering's comments weren't helpful. Yep. Um, which was absolutely right. And, and 
to be honest, part of me wonders, it's a really fascinating, um, what's the show off the bench will be interesting on Saturday morning. They, they spoke about it a little bit um, this past week, but it'll be interesting if Hutchie kind of calls a spade a spade and says, what were you trying to engineer? Were you simply supporting your client? Were you regurgitating something he'd said? Were or you, throwing some grenades on the way out. Were you trying to engineer a Mick Malthouse-style sack him? Because my reading of it was he took the comments Teague had made on Saturday, he poured some gasoline on them, and he kind of stoked it and yeah. basically said, my client isn't prepared to say this again. I'll say it. And that way Teague retained some dignity, that class. Oh, you've been so classy on the way out. But Pickers the, has come across as a Mino Rayola. bit petulant, hasn't he? Yeah, it's, it's out of all things to have a go at Patrick Cripps. So it's, but you just made you he, like it's an interesting, it's a really interesting case study because you, all you actually ended up doing was make the relationship between the current coach and captain like untenable, un, untenable at worst. Yeah, frosty at best. Yeah, because if you're Patrick Cripps, you, you're not having to spend too long to figure out where Pickers has got this opinion from if he's saying it two days after your coach did. Yeah, like it's you're kind of going. Where do you go from there? And, and I remember thinking, I don't know what you thought about it when you when you first saw Pickers' comments, but I remember thinking, I, if I'm Luke Sayers, I'm almost putting that to Teague and saying, can you explain these to me? And putting his yeah. feet to the fire a little bit and going, can you explain why your manager is making these comments two days after you have? Yeah. Go, you want accountability and transparency and respect? Going, you, just, you know, tell me he isn't being a mouthpiece. I have every reason to believe that he has. And that's one of those things that people want everything done quickly. Uh, how do you just, the, the season finished five days ago. I reckon Luke Sayers has had times to sit down with David Teague and discuss things like that. It's a like his comments in his press conference. It's, like, been, it's been a long breakup. A whole five days. But I agree. So, like, we all knew the decision and what the decision was and how it was and how it was playing out. But. Hmm. Having a go at process when everyone's got to have a say, everyone but can feel heard. Can, can, I, can I put this out there? Sure. Is now that he is sacked, is somehow is there a burden that has been lifted off his shoulders? Hopefully. But, but what I'm saying is everyone's like, he needs an answer, he needs an answer. It's either you've got a job or you're going to be sacked. Now, now you're sacked. It, it doesn't help you. In any, in any way, doesn't get you uh, remunerated or will next year because he's under contract. But my, my point is, everyone, give him an answer, give him it. What does it do for him? What does it do for him? If it was all getting too much, he had the ability to resign. Well, and we, I'm sure if he went to the club and said, let's organise a settlement, let's all, that club would have done it. Yep. Yeah, we'll sack you, you'll get your payout. And you know what? Be proactive. You want to be proactive and you want to go to him and but say, look, he was holding on in the hope that he'd be retained. Which was never going to happen. Read the tea leaves, David. The time to read the tea leaves was 12 weeks ago, yeah. unfortunately. Um, Kane Little, we spoke about a little bit, but it seems as though he's been issued a bit of a stay-in-your-lane remit. As yep. we said, off-field achievements have drawn a lot of water in these conversations, and he simply had the credits in the bank, deservedly. We don't want to harp on about them, but deservedly that the coach did not have. 
I'm not saying you're a, uh, an expert at reading body language, but how did he look in the press conference to you? Uh, on tenterhooks? He looked like a little boy just being told off by his parents. He looked like it was, yeah, no, yeah. Um, call me, say that I'm thinking, you know, looking too far into things, but he, there was obviously a bit of an internal war with the whole Silvani thing, and I think he has lost a lot of his allies. Well, he convinced, he convinced Lajudice to drop sauce, didn't he? He won that war. Well, he won that battle. Well, that's well, that is exactly right, isn't it? So um, look, I, I, hopefully, hopefully the club can get to a point where bygones are let to be. You know, bygones are bygones, and we move on from that as well. And that's the interesting, mate. I think I know what you're alluding to here. Is that well, Ross Lyon, who's the short price-priced favourite. How true that is, who knows? That'll play out. Um, obviously, best mates with Sauce. And a guy like Luke, Luke Says is probably going, I don't give a shit if you don't like Stephen Silvani. I don't care. Yeah. That, how is that affecting our decision to hire Ross Lyon based on the fact that you don't like Ross's mate? And you go, just be honest about it. Go, what are you feeling put out that if Ross comes in, he might actually play the team that Silvani's recruited and they might actually be okay? And that'll somehow, you'll be put out by that because you've believed people who have told you otherwise. Yeah. And shouldn't you be happy if it works out, however, which way it works out? He almost led the charge. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, with the footy thing with, with Little, it seems to me like, you know what, be involved in discussions, but in a non-executive way. Yes. You don't have a vote. You're involved no. in terms of oversight and making mm. sure you're across the High level. It's high level. But you don't vote. It's like, I think, I think Sir Alex Ferguson's got a similar thing where he's a non-executive. He's there, but mm. he, he doesn't have a vote. Like, he doesn't actually no. have... No. And, and they've and done he, that in the past with Bobby Charlton and like... And I'm not for one second saying that Kane Little doesn't know what he's saying or he's, isn't of value in football discussions, but it's, it's a say to an extent. Yeah. He can't be driving football the football agenda or footballing decisions. No, because that's he. you are paying other people to do that. If you start stepping on their toes, I'll give you an example, like the famous wanting to recruit, you know, Brandon Ellis and, and um, Graham and was there one other player? Was there someone else? Nick, uh, Nick um, Butler, Dan Butler. Yeah. And, and, to a, and to a lesser extent, the, um, the Eddie Betts. Yeah. But, like, Im- imagine you're Kane Little, for instance, and you're sitting in a meeting. Oh, fab, it's all work. Where's, where's, where's Pete? Um, but imagine you're Kane Little sitting in a commercial meeting and Sauce walks in and goes, I've teed up a sponsor. I've teed up a deal, yeah. a commercial deal for you guys. I've teed it up. It's uh, done. It's across the line. Um, blah, 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 blah. You'd be a bit put out. Yeah. You'd be yeah. sort of going, How, why have you done that? Yeah. I, oh, by the way, I've just promised Giuseppe's Dollar Pizza main sponsorship on the shirt. Regardless of what you've been working on with Hyundai and yeah. Great Southern Bank for the last, I'm not two sure. And a half I'm not years. sure how you're going to figure that out, but just figure it out. Yeah, yeah. We just need to put the phone number and a, a little graphic of like a phone on top of a car. Yeah, it'll look sick. Don't a, worry. A, an Italian man leaning out the side. He's got a moustache. 
yeah. the curls on the end. Yeah, he's, he's got the he's got the thumb yep. and the index finger together, and he's that, that, and he's that, kissing that's, them. That's a good pizza sign. Yeah, yeah, and maybe there can be like a QR code as well. Yeah. And if you scan yeah. that, you get a you know free delivery. Yeah, um, I'll leave it with you. You handle it. Yeah, you handle it. Just 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 get it done. Um, Brad Lloyd, we we sort of touched on very briefly. Yeah, I don't think he's entirely safe. You know, the, 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 the review says he is just at the moment. I think that's a massive, massive wait and see. How can the review? How can the review deliver the conclusion that his role and and, and what he's been doing is satisfactory, mm. whilst all the coaching and the on-field performances have been and the high performance. They've all got such big, they've all got such big question marks, but the mm. man in charge of their management is fine. The only the only thing I can see that the review may have found would be the Kane Little overstepping mm. has hamstrung Lloyd a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. My concerns with with Brad Lloyd, such as they are, have been. An inability to identify shortcoming, shortcomings and improvement areas, let alone remedy them. He yep. hasn't even been seemed to be able to kind of go, that's a real big problem. Okay, how do we fix it? Because the second part's really what matters. But if you're not doing the first part, it's never going to happen. Mm. He hasn't been able to challenge what his footy department have done and been doing. Like you haven't been able to kind of be the guy in the, in the back of the room that goes, David, this isn't working, mate. Like the, class, the classic Billy Bean, you know, anyone but Mags out of the pen, uh, Hattie on first, and just yeah. go, why are you doing this? Go, you're not doing it that way, because that way doesn't work. Yeah. So a failure yeah. to do that's really important. I don't know, man. Un- unless, unless the review has concluded that he has tried to get things like that over. Is that a problem then that he hasn't been able to? Does it, does the problem then become you actually aren't forceful or authoritative well, enough? Well, that comes back to, well, which is funny because I'm doubling back to what the review found that we did we were performing strongly at was systems and operations. Well, if the, we don't know what they are, what about <laughs> where's the where's the lines of communication? <laughs> so maybe the systems and operations, Brad Lloyd has been. He's killing, killing him, killing him, man. He's killing it. You've never seen better systems and operations in a football club. Um, so out of that, can I just double back quickly to those four dot points? Football strategy. Yeah, well, I think that means... I, I, in what sense? Because yeah. I don't understand how that gets a tick. No, see, I don't think they mean like strategy as in game day strategy. I think they mean strategy as in of the football department, how we get to where we want to get to yep. is with high performance, injury management, a better facility... You know, mm. blah, 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 all these check, you know, list profile. So basically our mission statement is good. Yeah, basically <laughs> the mission statement we paid KPMG intern to write for $75,000 or whatever it is. Yeah. Basically, well, maybe, Lloyd, maybe Lloyd, he wrote that. Oh. Maybe he, he came out, he wrote a memo like Jerry Maguire. He goes, good news. He goes, I spent all weekend on PowerPoint. <laughs> I've come up with a fucking ripper. He wrote <laughs> You know what we're here to do, boys? We're here to win premierships. He just he spent all year just walking around. People going, loved your memo. And he's like, it's a mission statement. Just <laughs> get it right. <laughs> it's a mission statement. And obviously, we, 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 
we didn't really touch on it, but it also said when list management was obviously yeah. given a big tick. We got to we got to touch on list management a right. little bit later. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, Brad Lloyd is it's like having Ray Ray Charles as the lookout on the Titanic. I'm just like, well, like, oh, we can't be surprised when we T-bone that iceberg. Like, I just don't know what we're doing. Yeah. I, look, to be honest with you, I'd be half a mind to assess which way the wind's blowing up at the Gold Coast and ask the question of Mark Evans. Mm, I don't... A, as a footy I don't, boss. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest weapon the Gold Coast have... Well, this Mark is Evans the, getting him Clarko. Is it no? Is the AFL and the AFL in their corner means that they retain people like Mark Evans? But I don't see this thing though. You could, and we don't want to make this about hiring Mark Evans. But I'm just using mm. the example that you could go to him and, and just sound him out and sort of go, "What's your feeling on how things are tracking and under pressure?" And if they go over you to appoint a new coach, or if they bring in somebody above you, if they restructure, would you be? I mean. Do you want a fresh start or a change of scenery and blah, 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 blah? I mean, have the conversation. And you know what it is? It's almost like asking the girl out and going, if the answer's no, just move on. Go, no worries. All right. And then just, yeah. who's next? So, um, Carlton respects, of course. Yes. Um, orange, orange socks. I'm wearing them now. Made sure I was when I made that statement. So, the board, now with the review, um, you could make the argument that this has been a telegraphed outcome and they've you know <laughs> they've, they've diligently gone through all the steps they need to to make it seem like you know for appearances sake it's been an incredibly well thought out thorough process and the ends justifies the means ultimately they get the outcome they need to and hopefully not the scrutiny that they would have otherwise um, from a board perspective Fabian we've got a few outs um, yep Chris Judd of course but that was a known out that's not a surprise um, Mark Lejeune is re- uh, Chris Judd is uh, retired? Yeah, retired. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone. But who's Ma- been omitted? But Mark Lejudice was obviously yeah. going. We knew he was going. Jeannie Pratt's not a surprise. She's been on the board for ten years. Not a problem. She goes. Your man Chris Townsend's gone. We hardly knew thee. Um, yeah. So two outs that we knew were coming a mile out. Yeah. One we could have reasonably foreseen, and another you kind of go, "Geez, he wasn't there very long," but. Yeah, the um, the email suggests that he was a big part of governance, the re- redevelopment, getting the redevelopment up and running, and now that yeah. that's at this stage, he can go back into a sub. And given his expertise in planning and so forth, yeah, um, obviously, but it's probably also whilst you know everyone on a board does their best. No one's there, you know, to kind of you know. While some people, uh, I'm not saying these these four are, some people are self serving. Mm when they're on boards, but they're there to achieve good things to make themselves look better at worst. So, you know, all four have tried to do the best thing for the club. And if anything that comes out of this, and we can't really assess them individually because we're not on the inside, but the fact that we're making four changes, 50% of the board can only be a good thing as far as... Fresh faces, new yep. ideas, and we're going to go so through who, Who's been removed? Yep. Apart from MLG and Juddy, um, we can't really, you know, they were done as far as, you know, 
Mark wanted to leave. Juddie never wanted to be there. Um, the reluctant board member. Far out. It's, I don't know if it was just a, a cash thing. That might have, yeah, as... I mean, look, that might have been the last part of his agreement, the last way to settle the account. So, look, four out, which, you know, two we knew. Three, you know, three. Genie Wick was kind of on the cards and was always going to leave. So, in sheer numbers, it does give the board a a freshness that hopefully brings new ideas, you know, fresh ideas, a bit more togetherness, and hopefully with the leadership of Luke Sayers, it, um, it becomes a, a stronger board. Well, those ins are, of course, we've got Tim Lincoln, who joins his remit. I don't know if you saw this. His, his remit is one of the best pieces of corporate gobbledygook I have ever read. I thought, yeah. I don't even want to paraphrase it. I'll just copy and paste it. I'll just read it. This is one of the best pieces of corporate ease I have ever read. It's amazing. Tim's goal is to collaboratively guide the club to create competitive advantages by applying his data analysis to significantly enhance decision-making processes and improve the probability of successful outcomes, provide meaningful insights, and introduce strong accountability metrics. What he the does, fuck does he, that mean? He does graphs on Excel. I got, I, I got half- <laughs> he, knows, he knows pivot tables. I got halfway through that and went... <laughs> Have you seen... <laughs> it was like, I can't remember who it was... There's um, like Accenture or or one of these companies, and you go on their website to see what they do as a company, and go, what? I don't know what you do. Like, what do you do? what do you do? I'm not like, sure. You don't, you're a multi-million-dollar multinational company. That what the fuck do you do? I once Is asked he- a mate of mine who was um, who had started working at KPMG. I said, so what do you do? He goes, whatever you need. <laughs> I go, well, what does that mean? He goes, if you whatever you need. I go, I don't get it. He goes, if whatever you need done, we will find somebody to do it, either internally or we will outsource it. Yeah. He goes, whatever you need. I go, what? Literally whatever. He goes, I need a, I need a stripper. He goes, yeah, we'll find someone. Done. It's done. I go, I need a corporate report written. He goes, not a problem. <laughs> so have you ever seen, there's this video, I, I watched it a while ago. Google it in YouTube, and it's fucking brilliant. Michael Spicer is his name. He's a British comedian, and he did a little video, like a three-minute video, taking the piss out of the expositional scene in a Christopher Nolan film where there's just so much dialogue, and you kind of sit there going, what's happening? Who's this? What does this mean? It's the, that was what Tim Lincoln's remit read to me like. I was reading yeah. it, and I was going, Jesus Christ, I'm bored already. Um, <laughs> I just first, Look, obviously, he's been... He's in charge of a... They're a sponsor of the club. Uh, and they're a sponsor of the club. Uh, are they the, the stock doctors or whatever they were? I think so, yeah. Something like that. But, maybe, um, mate, mate, maybe if we sponsored the club, we would become board members eventually. Who, Australia Post? No, the Ian Prendercast. No, we've been banned, Sean. Imagine that on the back of the Guernsey, <laughs> the Ian Prendergast. Ian Prendergast. Another, Carl- gotta, uh, <laughs> Another Carlton podcast. <laughs> podcast. And people got to look us up and realise that we've been blocked by the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all doing it so we can get our foot in the door at the board level. Uh, Lara Carey comes on. She's got a corporate communications background, um, probably been doing a bit of pro bono work the last week, I'd imagine. Um, uh, I was going to say, that. That's, that, that's the appointment to me, out of the three non-big tickets, shall we say, mm. names that I read that, and yes, whilst a whole bunch of words that trying to make it sound, you know, fancy, 
Seems practical. If, if, she, if she's a, if she can bring Bit of some sort of di- some direction to our communications department, it would be amazing. Because, of, you know what it is? Just a bit of big business savvy. Yeah. So, look, communication is something that the club needs to address. She's going to walk and in hope. and go, first line of business, give a fish. Uh, <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Just as a matter of good taste. And unblock the bloody printer cuts. Unblock, they're fucking good. <laughs> Have you heard them lately? <laughs> They've gotten a lot better. You probably haven't listened to them since the start. Um <laughs> So she comes in, that makes a bit of sense. Alex uh, Co- Alex Billen quit. <laughs> Alex Billen went, and then I went, to the moon. <laughs> he was still Alex Connell when you heard it. <laughs> so much has changed. The lineups changed, the formats changed. They've got a whole bunch of stupid segments that they forget about every week. You're never sure what you're going to get. Um, Robert Priestley, who I'll be referring to from now on as Jason, he comes on board. Um, Brandon Walsh. I'm going to call him Brandon <laughs> from now on. Uh, he's come on board. He's, he's uh, been working shifts at the Peach Pit, so he's going to bring some expertise to the cafe. Um, no, no, he comes on. He's the chairman of J.P. Morgan in Australia and New Zealand. His remit curiously included a line about uh, leading the club's growth in, quote, the Sydney market. And I was like, what, just from a sponsor point of view, I suppose, big big businesses based in Sydney yeah. get, a, get our footprint up there so that big international corporations, you know, Fair being fair in an Australian market are more than likely based in Sydney. That's usually yep. how it works. Um, so that's fine. And then obviously Diesel. Diesel comes on um, as the footy director, which I'm not 100% that's, about. That's the one I want to talk about. It's the – I think from a from an attributes point of view as far as – like Chris Judd was, a, was an introvert. The role never really suited him. No. As a footballer, Chris Judd was there and he led by example. So having a role as football director was something that just, to me, it never suited the man. Whereas Greg Williams, he's, he's not... I think it suits his personality. Oh, see, that's where I think he's a good point, appointment in the sense that from a communications point of view, he's not going to mince his words. No. He will make every story about him. Yeah. (laughs) Given his – is Juddy's got ambition outside of football to do other things in life and good on him. Chris Judd invests. Diesel, this will be one of his main focuses. You know, given his age, given where he's at in his career outside of football. Docklands Press. (laughs) Shout out to Docklands Press. Um, It – so from that point of view, I see Diesel as a good appointment. However, however, I do have some some concerns that if he has, I don't know, just his time out of the game, and I know he's involved in certain elements, but his time out of the game and whether he's... A long time. ...going to have enough... Up-to-date, I, up-to-date yeah, IP. And- IP and how things operate and... Look, it's, it's, it's a suck and see. Um, it's, I reckon he's a really interesting... Like, I was cons- surprised by the appointment. Oh, I honest. was. No, I reckon he's a really interesting consultant, like a kind of guy who, who's not the footy director, but he's a kind of guy who you, you'd be happy to have a chat with about what do you reckon. Yeah. Not necessarily being the guy overseeing yeah. 
that portfolio on a board. I, I, it's hard. I get where you're coming from. It's hard to rationalise, but my instinct was like, this is a an appointment to placate the fans. You wheel him out and he waves his little hat and everyone goes, oh, what a geez, how good was Diesel? And you don't stop to think, is he the right man? Mm. Eh, I'm not sure. But... A football is is not on the football department, no. but the football director. He is the conduit, so to speak, between the board and the football department. And without having to necessarily make key decisions and being the one who drives the ideas and keeping, you know, the accountability, he may be he may be okay in that role. He'd have been a really interesting one during, <clears throat> obviously he did some... I feel sorry for Paddy Dow, though. Well, they certainly know how each... But I don't think they've got a bad relationship as such, but he just mm. he's just not backwards in coming forwards. And it would have been interesting if, if he was in this role with Teague because I think he actually probably would have had some pretty forthright conversations about well, why you're doing that. It's probably what Teague needed, someone like a Diesel. The fact that Teague had, not only did not have Diesel, Johnny was not there either. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, he was not at the club. Juddy always probably felt like the kind of guy that, like, you'd ring him, but he, he couldn't talk right now, or you'd yeah. catch him on his way out to the car, I've got to get out of here, and he'd be like, you're not helping. No. Um, so there, there he ends. So the replacement in terms of a coach, Fabian, I think it's, without doubt, we need a strong, respected, driven, no-nonsense figure. Now... <sighs> Whoever, whoever that is, look, I think I, I want to be really forthright here, and I've, I've said this a couple times. Whoever this person is, Daisy Pierce said today in between you know, that awkward chuckle that she does when she gets nervous, she said yep. today that, oh, you've got to commit for 10 years. That is the most loon... I can't... I was like, I almost drove off the road because I was sort of like, mm. no, you don't. You give them two... If we, want, if we win seven flags, we'll commit for 10 but, years. But you give them two or three years... Mm-hmm. Whatever you, know, you give them the time. You go, if it's not working, you try someone else. Absolutely. Like you're not you, you hire a coach hoping they'll be Clarko or Fergie or whoever and be in the job for 15, 20 years. Like you, that's the that's the hope, but it's not the reality. The reality, more often than not, is the guy just isn't quite working, or uh, this isn't going the way we needed to, and that's where you need to react and change. Now, I think Ross clearly front of mind. You know what's an interesting opportunity with Ross Fab? I thought about this last night. So we've got a really unique opportunity with Ross. Did Lyon. you did you sit there and think to yourself, what does Simbo say? Oh, what is it? You sit there and you go. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I sat there and I went. Um, <laughs> we love you, Timbo. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. But, but I, I found myself thinking. Ross gives us a really unique opportunity because of the marketplace at the moment, with regard to a coach of Ross Lyons' ilk, he's actually available at a cut price. Mm. On the open market, on purely on, a, on coaching ability and his record and he, you know what he's going to bring to a team, what he's done in the past, he's probably worth up to 40% more than we should pay him. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like realistically... The opportunity is there to get in a guy at a massive saving on his market value. Make an offer. Make a good offer to him. It's going to be four times more than he's earning in the media. It's going to be much more than he could get anywhere else doing anything else. But make the offer knowing he's actually not getting any any other offers. No. We're not having to outbid anyone. Well, there's only one other job available. It is 
openly expressed that he's not interested. Apparently, in it, they so. didn't call him, and he was like, "No, they did." I don't know why they're lying about that. Yeah. He's like, "I don't have an agent," so they were trying to get my phone number. Where they tried, well, Colin were trying to get Ross's phone number to ring him and say, "Just in case you were wondering, we're not interested." I can even doesn't make any sense. Um, with Ross too, just in terms of people need to stop talking down his record. Yeah. Oh, what about his last four years? They were better than our last four years. Jesus Christ. What about Every the- team. What about Clarko's year this year? Like, it's like all teams, all clubs go through, you know, peaks and troughs. And Ross was at the trough end of Fremantle's list. Having delivered the peak end. Yeah, with, with a list that wasn't, t- you know, take out Fife and, you know, Walters Mon- on Mundy his day and, and Mondays. It wasn't, it wasn't as talented as what he had at St Kilda. The and it, and even then, even then, it's, you know, St Kilda weren't this phenomenally gifted side. They had some absolute megastars. But Ross got the best out of but that the, the worker ants. Sport on, man. This idea that Ross lies Gilbert some... Oh, my God. Peak. Gilbert almost won them a grand final. Gilbert, Peak, um, Stevie Baker. Um, Timbo's mate from who he works with now, whatever his so, name is, Jason Blake. Jason Blake, like, of course. Do you know what I mean? I'm not so... Mate, all much better footballers than we'll ever dream of being. Yeah, but good, what I'm saying is... competent players at the level. These aren't A-grade AFL footballers, but Ross Lyon was able to get them functioning as a team. People have got this misnomer that, oh, if you don't win a flag, you're a failure. And you go, well, he was a kick away from beating one of the great teams of all time yep. on a day that didn't suit his St Kilda team, you know, against that Geelong team, the wet weather completely nullified Rewalt and Kaczynski. And um, Max Rook kicks a goal after the siren to make it two goals. It's, 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 right. it's not two goals. Max Rook kicks it into an empty goal yeah, square, rolls through, and Tom Hawkins hit the bloody post. post. The next year, he takes, you know, against a really, really good Collingwood team that by all rights should have run away with that game. We have a draw. They're literally the bounce of a football bouncing yep. up for Milne or toward the goal away from winning that. They front up the next week and they're just battered and broken. Then he takes a Fremantle team, which had been irrelevant for their entire existence, yep. takes them first year, they knock out the reigning Premier away from home. Next year, they go down to Skilled Stadium, beat Geelong again in a final in Geelong. You know, and then yep. you go, and then they make, and they make a grand final. And then they go top four, minor Premier, get knocked out in a heartbreaker at home to Hawthorne. And you're sort of going... One thing is, if one thing there is a little bit different, he gets another crack at a granny, wins take a premiership. Off, you go and take off. Yeah, that's right. Take off Clarko, who's obviously not interested in coaching for one reason or another. Any other candidate available doesn't have anything of that on their CV. None of it. And this idea that in his last little bit at Fremantle, they were trending the right way. Mm. Having been there like, to the big dance and failed, is better than not have never, not have ever been like good enough to get there, and not failed. You know what I love, I love people always talk about. Oh, you know, we, we've spoken about Dimmer and Bomber, and geez, oh, they've got a back Tiggy. Well, what about when the Crows went and got Blighty? Yeah, Hungry had come so close. What about Fremantle? Went and got Ross. But they went and got Ross, and they all immediately got better. Everywhere he goes, I made the point on Twitter that. 
the last time we were any good, like seriously good, Ross was an assistant. Yeah. The first time in a very long time Sydney were any good was when he was an assistant. St Kilda's best period for 50-odd years came with Ross as a head coach. And yep. Fremantle's best period ever came with Ross as a head coach. This yep. idea that you hire a guy and then for his entire tenure of six, seven, however many years, he's top of the pops every single year. He contended at the pointy end with a Fremantle team that I think we've got much more upside than mm. for four years. Yeah. If he, gets that, mate, if he gets that us into that window, we give it a shake. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand what people, when they assess the performance of coaches, what they're looking for. It depends who the coach is. There's, there's if it's David convers- Teague, mate, if it's David Teague, 44% winning record's outstanding. What are we doing? Amazing. But Ross had a couple of losses at Fremantle back end of his career, so therefore... He's done. He's finished. Is useless. Like there's conversations going on now that if Luke Beveridge doesn't win the final against Essendon, that he's you know his job could be in jeopardy. Like, are you for real? Yeah, you mad? You had your top two. Like they've had a bad run with injuries right at the end yeah. of the year. So it's all very interesting. It looks like it's pointing towards Ross. How no? Uh, who knows exactly how it'll shake out in the next little bit. I think I reckon there could be movement on that a lot quicker than. I will be very surprised if it's not Ross. Yeah, I think at this point in time, I didn't watch much of the press conference. I will admit, um, the Sayers press conference, but he did say we are after the best, most experienced coach. He did say that. Mick. <laughs> Mick's, Mick's coming like, back. <laughs> Mick's like a dog. His ears just, yeah. went, <laughs> just went straight up. The bat phone in Mick's uh, study starts ringing. They want me back. No, he doesn't. He just gets Morse code. Beep, 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 yeah. beep, beep, What? He's, he's, he's got, a, he, he's got uh, Rob Wiley's there decoding the Morse code. He's his assistant. Rob Wiley is a congratulations on his Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. By yes. the way. And Chris Judd as well, clearly. Nice bloke, Rob Wiley. Unbelievable. Cross paths very briefly, obviously, when I was at the club and, and, and Rob was there, and he's always so incredibly lovely. Just and, and so was Mick as well. But, I mean, Rob Wiley was absolute ripper guy. And... and um, not expecting his, um, I had a had an inkling that Juddy would go in because this was his first year. Yeah. So I thought Juddy, Juddy, really good chance. Um, but when Rob Wiley came up, I was like, oh, awesome, fantastic. Um, just lastly for us, uh, not so much the board review or anything like that, but we thought we'd um, just talk about the Adam Chera news. He's obviously announced his intention to return to Victoria. There's been no official. Um, announcement of a destination for him as yet. He has apparently expressed to Fremantle that he'd be comfortable with a move to Carlton. Peter Bell said as much in an interview over in the West. Um, look, I'm sure you're aligned with me on this, Fab. We don't want to get into our annual conversation about free agency, but we have to play the angles here. Yeah. And we have to look at all the information. This is a big test. You spoke about list management. This is a big test for Nick Austin to not overcommit in a manner that it's not about winning the trade, but we, we can't keep giving up two assets to get one. No. We can't keep going, oh, it's six and something else. There's a price that we are comfortable in paying, and we don't want to be the Johnny drama negotiating the apartment, Sean. This no. is our price, and we don't move from that. And if, guess what, the deal doesn't go through, it doesn't go through. You know what I hate, this chat that, oh, once the player commits, you're duty-bound to bring him in. No, you're not. No, you're not. You just say to Adam Sherrod, mate, our offer is this. We are absolutely you know, committed do, to it. Do you know who's duty-bound? If Adam Sherrod is that committed to leaving, 
say to the club, this is their prize, or I'm going in the pre-season draft. This idea that, oh, we have this conversation every year that the, that the club losing an uncontracted player somehow has the whip hand, and it's just, it's maddening. Fremantle have no leverage. Yeah. And this idea that, oh, we have to look after our reputation. No, you don't. Fuck that. This idea that, oh, we have to do a good deal because otherwise teams won't deal with us. I don't fucking care. What no. does that even mean? It swings and Haw- roundabouts. Hawthorne, Hawthorne went years winning every single trade that they went into. Oh, you got us. We're, we're the United that we've got to pay 150% of whatever the price is. This yeah. is how you get better. Is Adam Chera worth more than pick six? And you go, yeah, probably. Is Adam Chera out of contract worth more than pick six? No. No. Because he's not coming back. He's not signing another deal. If they don't trade for him, he leaves for nothing. Correct. So read the room, play the angles. I yeah. put the tweet up that North Melbourne aren't trading their pick one. So that's off the table. Pick two is GWS. He's not going to Sydney. Pick three is was it, uh, Gold Coast or Adelaide. He's not going to Adelaide. Pick four yeah. is Gold Coast. He's not going there. Five is Hawthorne. They haven't expressed an interest. He hasn't expressed an interest in them. It's not completely out of the question, but you know, more unlikely. Mm. The best deal is six. Yeah. Collingwood in the preseason draft at pick two, don't have the money. No. So well if they did if they did, they wouldn't be going after Cherry, they would have kept true law. Exactly right. So read the read the room, play the angles, and get a deal for us. Yeah. That actually they, helps it, us get and better. If after, and if they're after a replacement and someone like a Samo is on their radar. Then I'm all for entertaining Samo and a a pick, mm. not pick six. No, it doesn't become if Samo's in the deal, six use, is not. Yeah, or using pick six to trade with another club to to split it into two. It's it's time to get creative, but it's don't don't just overpay for the sake of getting the deal done. And what's your attitude with regard to Nick Austin in all this? Because if we trade pick six, there's a lingering question about Austin with regard to early picks where you've mm. been in the role for however long and we actually don't really know anything about you as a pure yeah. talent picker. He's probably got the – he's got this season to do what he wants. So he'll have two two off-seasons. He's basically got cut blanche and then after that he starts to get judged. So Cause it, mate, look, they... I'm, I'm, not against, I'm not against trading pick six. I'm not against it. If it's pick six for Adam Chair, I don't have an issue with it. It's the pile on after it. Yeah, it's the bullshit. Oh, we'll swap second and thirds and mm. fifth and sixth. You got no, it's six. Pick this six. started. This started this whole two two picks and all this other crap. People forget it was Patrick Dangerfield. Yeah, who at the time was top three footballers in the competition, not Adam Chera. Yeah, well, see, we traded a former top five pick and pick three for Kennedy and obviously eighteen. Yeah. You go, well, that's Chris Judd. Yeah. And even then, we probably should have played hardball. We probably should have fucked the nonsense about being a good trading partner. And yeah. just went, no. I think Juddy had a lot to do with that, with not wanting West Coast to get screwed over. I'd, say, oh, I'd just go, mate, what? don't fucking worry about it. Like, So in the end, um, like I said, any you or I could spend empty cap space. Yeah. We could go out and say we want to pay you know, such and such six fifty a year. Yeah. You actually got to ID talent. Uh, that brings us to the end of the show, Fabian. It's been a short, sharp 70 minutes. And whilst, whilst talking about talent, and we didn't want to do it, touch on it too much, but the review did say that list management 
was in, you know, was performing strongly. So, and whilst, you know, I've got no issue with Nick Austin, that's obviously a glowing endorsement of what Steve Silvani had done to repair the cap and build a young, talented list. And get us into a position where we can attract. To give Nick Austin the tools to go out there and, yeah, we'll some see. cash on, on some free agents. Yeah, we'll see the list composition, the profile, and the cap space, the TPP state that Steve Silvani inherited versus what Nick Austin has inherited from him could not yeah. be any different, any more different. Yeah. They could not be you know, further apart. So, yeah. no, I completely agree. Um, anything more to add before we... No, that's it. So we'll probably do uh, when Timbo... Um, Obviously, has the time. He's a very busy man. Uh, there's no care for you, the listener. We went over that. Um, we'll probably do like a season review player wrap, I imagine, in the next week or two. Um, yeah. So that'll yeah, this will tide you over until then. And then also we'll be back post trade free agency and yeah, we do a and that we do a trade sort of slash draft wrap. Yep. Uh, and then we'll be talking about beating the Tigers all over again. It's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's just a cycle that just goes round and round. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your ears this afternoon for this emergency pod. Uh, for Tim Davis, it's, of course... Always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Uh, for Fabian Guadagnolo. Arrivederci, ragazzi. For me, Sean Peterbudge. Goodbye. We, are, we do have a printer DJ, by the way. Ooh. We do have a printer DJ that will be playing uh, as we speak. So as always, hashtag printer DJ with whatever you think the theme is and you'll get a shout-out next time. Thank you very much. We'll catch you then. All right. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming round. Every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sound of my tears. Every now and then I get a little bit nervous that the best of all my years have gone by. Every now and then I get a little bit terrified I see the fucking look in your eyes Every now and then I fall apart Only love in the dark Nothing I can say Totally